This morning, we spoke of several things that Satan tries to tempt us Christians to fear on a regular basis. Things that our Heavenly Father has told us that we don't need to be afraid of, that we don't need to fear. And tonight, we're going to talk about one of the worst. As we grow older, and our hair gets grayer, and our health begins to go downhill, and those we love have gone on before us, a lot of times we fear being alone, being forsaken, or that the Lord's promise to us is somehow going to fail us in those last moments, or that somehow His Word is not going to be all that we have thought that it was. But you know, God tells us over and over, we need not fear any of those things either. Even for a moment. And our God has sought to lovingly and repeatedly reassure us, to give us that blessed assurance that we need not fear as we get older, grayer, our health dissipates, as we get closer to crossing over from this earthly life onto the other side. One of those beautiful passages is Isaiah 46, 3-5, which says, Listen to me, O house of Jacob. There's God again saying, Listen. And all the remnant of the house of Israel. By the way, we are the remnant. Isn't that correct? Under the new covenant, we are the remnant, as it were. And all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth. God has upheld us from the moment that we were born again into the family of God. Is that not right? That is right. He says, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. Listen to this. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to your gray hairs, or even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear even I will carry and deliver you. Isn't that a beautiful promise from God? To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? That is Isaiah 46, 3-5. And the reason that I quote that last verse is I want us to understand, and God wants us to understand, that our God is unlike any other creature in the universe. He is unlike any other creature in the universe when it comes to both his love for and his loyalty to his faithful children. We often talk about God being love, and God is love, but sometimes we don't use the word loyal when it comes to God. God wants for us to know that more than any other being in the universe, his love and his loyalty to his faithful children is absolute from birth to death, all the way to death, and beyond, and everything in between. Isaiah 46, verses 3 through 5. And you know, there's a lot of others that understood this message as well. I'm not going to turn there, but Moses understood that. Moses understood God's love and loyalty. In Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verses 1 through 8, we have a 120-year-old Moses, 
who has seen a lot of things, been through a lot of things, he's failed God at times, he's let God down at times, and here he is at 120 and he's about to die. But you know what he told the people? He said, be strong and of good courage. He said to them, he said, do not fear, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, because the Lord their God was not going to leave nor forsake them. Through all that Moses had been through, he understood it up until his dying day that God was not going to leave him or forsake him. What a loving, loyal God we have. Turn with me in your Bibles tonight, if you would, to Psalm 71. And I really hope you'll take some of these passages, because I know... I'm getting older too. Now some of you may have been around a little longer than me, some a little less. But I know that sometimes we struggle as we get older and grayer and more feeble. And I've jumped in my notes here ahead of them a little bit, but I've heard more than one saint say, you think I'm going to make it? God wants us not to fear when that day comes. The writer of Psalm 71 knew the love and loyalty of God. Look in verses 17 through 21. Psalm 71, verses 17 through 21. The writer says, O oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. And now also, when I am old and gray-headed... O oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also, your righteousness, O oh God, is very high. You have done great things. O oh God, who is like you? See, God is loyal. God is powerful. God is love. God was with him in his youth, and the same God was with him in his old age. Now, granted, that doesn't mean that everything in life was wonderful all those years. Look at verse 20. You have, you who have shown me great and severe troubles. The psalmist had been through some stuff. And he says, you who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. He knew God was loyal. He knew through all he had been through. That God had been with him and would continue to be no matter what. He says, you shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Here's an old man talking. He said, I'm old and gray-headed now. But I know, I've learned through life that you're not going to leave or forsake me. Even now, I know that you're going to comfort me on every side. David also knew. Turn to me in your Bibles to Psalm 34. Psalm 34. David knew in a psalm that says at least in the New King James that he wrote it, Psalm 34. If you have a chance later on and you want some more of this encouragement, go home and read this whole thing. But I just want to share with you a few verses. Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Do you remember when we talked this morning about our whole duty, the whole duty of man, Solomon said from Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13 was to fear God and keep his commandments. And we said, if we fear God, we don't have to fear all those other things. Here's another verse that proves that same thing. Verse 7. 
But he also goes on from there in verse 8 and following and says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Fear the Lord. There's that phrase again. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Move on to verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. If we're fearing God and recognizing who he is, and we're walking in the light, and we're walking before him, we're still making mistakes, we're still messing up, we're still having struggles. But God said, I'm not going to leave you. I will not leave you. Verses 17 through 19 of this psalm say this. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Bible's not trying to sugarcoat anything. We have a lot of problems. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. It's a beautiful passage. I just want to share with you a few verses from Psalm 37 that David also wrote. Psalm 37, verses 18 and 19. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. Stop right there and think about that. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be, how long? Forever. God's not going to leave them in their old age. Their inheritance will be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Look at verses 23 through 25. Same Psalm. 37. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young... And now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. You know, we tend to have friends that are in our own age group. We tend to do that. I mean, we have friends outside of our age group, but generally speaking, we know, you know, our own little social group is usually people that are somewhere near our age. And here, David is talking about how he has never seen the righteous forsaken. Suppose that included some older folks. David's getting along probably when he writes this psalm. He says, I have been young and now I am old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. That probably includes some older friends of his. He knew that the Lord would see those who were righteous all the way through. And look finally in verse 28. The Lord loves justice, underline this, and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. I cannot tell you how many times that I have heard some older saint get close and begin to have questions. I remember going over at one point when Robert Anderson was over here in the nursing home. And if I recall correctly, you know, I was pushing him that day in, in the wheelchair, and I think that was the time he said it to me, and, and he said, I, I don't remember the exact question, but he was questioning about, are you sure about, you know, this? Are you sure? Yes. I'm sure. 
Are you sure? Are you sure? We need to be sure. We need not fear. Because I want you to understand, and, and if you don't get anything else in this lesson, get this. Our God, our God whom the scriptures say does not forget one single solitary cup of water given in his name, that God certainly therefore does not forget nor overlook nor throw away a lifetime of love and loyalty and dedication and adoration and service and sacrifice and worship given to him. If he doesn't forget one cup of water, he doesn't forget years of service, years of adoration, years of sacrifice, years of love and loyalty to him. Our God does not forget that. Hebrews 6, 9-12 tells us that. And God wants all of us to know, and he's put it in the scripture many times, that we do not have to fear as our time draws near if we've truly walked with him. He is loyal to those who have sought to be loyal to him. And you know what? Daniel knew this truth too. Turn to me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 10. A little bit different context here, but there's a little bit I want to bring out of this. Daniel chapter 10, if you'd turn over there please. We're going to read first off verses 7 through 12. Daniel chapter 10 verses 7 through 12. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. This is what I want to bring out. Look at verses 11 and 12. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. In the next few verses, Daniel is so overwhelmed that, that he is speechless and he retained no strength. But look what it says in verses 17 through 19 in the same chapter. He said, How can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. And then again, 
The one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. I understand that it's a different situation, and he's giving Daniel this vision. I realize that this doesn't mean that Daniel's you know, on his deathbed. I understand that. But what I want for you to understand is this. The reason the angel came to explain those things to him is because Daniel was a much beloved person. He was much beloved by God. Why was he much beloved by God? Because he had set his heart to understand and humbled himself before his God. Therefore, God heard his words and wanted to reassure him in his situation. Do you see that? What I want for us to understand is God has not changed. We serve the same God that Daniel served only. We serve him as his children. And if he could say to Daniel, the whole reason I'm here, Daniel, the whole reason I'm here is because God wanted me to come and give you blessed assurance. And I realize I'm paraphrasing. God wanted me to come and give you because from the moment you humbled yourself before God and you set your heart and you made it a priority to understand God and have this intimate relationship with him, that's why God loves you so much. And so God has sent me to give you an answer so you will understand. God has sent us the scripture so that we will understand. God wanted to reassure Daniel and he wants to reassure us that he can absolutely be trusted to hear the prayers of those who have humbled and devoted themselves both before and to him and that God will always be loyal no matter what age no matter where we are in life to those who are beloved who humble themselves before him and do his will God is the rock that cannot has not does not and will not ever ever fail Isaiah 44 6 through 8 our God is the God who we can always count on to help and uphold us through all things, even our aging, our infirmity, and as we get ready to cross over to the other side. Isaiah 41, 8 through 10. He is the one we can always count on. He is the one whom the righteous who fear him never need to doubt hears our prayers. God always hears the prayers of the righteous. Of those who want to be with him enough to humble themselves and obey him. That is in Psalm 66, 16 through 20. Our God is the same God who walked through the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when we walk through the fires, including the fires of the aging process, as we get older, maybe we're alone in life, but God walks through the fire with us, even that fire, every step. That is his promise. Why do you think David said in Psalm 23 and verse 4, Yea, though I walk, 
through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's the very epitome of what we're talking about tonight and with this little sermon mini-series. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm on its doorstep, even though I'm right there in the darkness, even though everything's dark around me and I'm in, I'm in this low, awful place, I will not fear. Why? Because God is with me and told me I didn't, there is nothing in that valley that is as powerful as my God. There is nothing in that valley that I need to fear. That valley of death, when I get right there on its doorstep, there is nothing there that I need to fear because my God is bigger than all of it. His rod and His staff, they comfort me. Therefore, I will not fear even death. God does not want us to fear death. We're not supposed to fear death. We do not need to fear death. That's why Jesus came. Did you know that? That's why Jesus came. Jesus came, lived as we live, only without sin, lived in human form except without sin. And then Jesus was nailed to a cross. He died. He spent three days, or part of three days, with his body in the grave and his spirit in Hades, Acts 2. And he beat death. Didn't he beat death? Amen. He came back. Death itself did not have the power to hold him. We're told that in the scriptures. Death itself could not hold him captive. And he came back and he appeared to those people. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to Paul. He appeared to 500 at one time, 1 Corinthians 15. And what did he show them? You don't have to fear death because I have beat it. And if you belong to me, I will take you through it. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Turn to me in your Bibles to Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 18. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Look at God's much better explanation of the point that I just tried to make. Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, watch this, that through death... He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through, here's our word, fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Death is ruled from Adam. It tells us that in Romans 5. Death has been what men have feared the most. But this passage tells us that the whole reason that Jesus came was to beat death and to show us that this fear of death, that, that phrase we see in verse 15, he came to release us from the fear of death. He came to show us we don't need to, to release us from that bondage, that fear of it. For indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, verse 17, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. I'm going to be brutally honest. 
I think one of the reasons that we fear death, and I'm not looking to die early, don't get me wrong. But I think one of the reasons that we fear death is there's not a whole lot in the Bible that explains to us a step-by-step process of exactly how everything's going to happen from here to there. There isn't. And we fear the unknown. But, our God has told us He didn't tell us a whole lot about the step-by-step process and every little thing that's going to happen and how it's all exactly going to work. But he did tell us we don't have to fear it because he'll be there with his people. He came to release us from the fear of death. Don't miss that in that that verse. Now perhaps the reason that some of God's children still fear death more than God wants them to or more than they need to, perhaps one of the reasons, is because some of us still look at it from a worldly perspective. Sometimes we talk amongst ourselves and we'll talk about this or that or the obituaries or somebody that passed away. And some Christian will say, Well, any day above ground is a good one. The next time I hear a Christian say that, I hope I remember the correct response. The next time I hear a Christian say, Well, any day above ground is a good one, I want to reply, perhaps, but any day above Satan's reach will be a far better one. I love my life. I get to serve God. I want to live. I don't have a death wish. But I do know this. Life up there is going to be better than life down here. I want to be out of Satan's reach. I want to be out of Satan's reach. I want to be out of, out of everything that he wants to do to me once and for all. I want to be safe in the arms of my father around the throne. And, and life is going to be better there than here. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said? Look with me in your Bibles in Philippians 1. This is what we've got to understand. Philippians 1, verses 21 through 23. And, and I may, you know, hear after the sermon, well, you know, yeah, I do. I know what Paul said. Philippians 1, 21. Paul told us very clearly... The things are going to be far better. It's far better to be there with Jesus than here without than here in Satan's reach. Philippians 1.21, not without him because he's with us here. Philippians 1.21, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Do you see that? Paul says, I want to go be with Jesus. That doesn't mean he was going out and doing anything foolish. His times were in God's hands. But he understood. He understood that he didn't need to fear that. Yes, any day above ground is a good one. But I'll tell you what, any day above the reach of Satan is a far better one. In Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13... It says, if we fear God and keep his commandments, that's really all that matters. That's the whole duty of man. And neither, we need fear neither man 
nor death, nor so many things in this life that we sometimes fear. Sounds a little like Romans chapter 8, doesn't it? I want us to understand as we conclude tonight that we never, never need to doubt in our darkest hour, in our old age, we never need to doubt God's promise that we see in Luke 12 and verse 32, which says, Do not fear, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the king. God wants you in heaven so much, He sent His Son to die so you could get there. You think He's going to leave you at the last minute? Let me tell you something. If God were going to leave you in your old age, if he was going to forsake you just before you cross over from here to there, then he's smart enough never to have sent his son in the first place to pave the way for you to get there. He didn't pay that kind of price and say, hey, sorry, you're on your own. That's not the way God operates. Do not fear, little flock. God wants to give you the kingdom. God in his love and loyalty and faithfulness has told us so much on earth you don't need to fear. Fear me. Keep my commandments. You be faithful to me and I will be faithful and loyal to you. I have loved you. <coughs> Love me back. Do not fear. The lesson is yours tonight. If you're not a Christian, if you've never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've been living a life that is... <coughs> Fearful. Fearful of some of the things we talked about this morning, or fearful of the aging process, fearful of being forsaken, fearful of death. If you just need the prayers of the saints for strength, please come to the front as we stand and sing.